Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. <laughs> <laughs> friends, Jimmy Horrors here from the Night's End Podcast. Do you want a delicious story to keep you up at night? Well then, make sure you take the right door on your way down, as the others could lead to your immediate death. <laughs> Just search the Night's End Podcast on all major podcast platforms, and be sure to bring a sacrifice for my things. Trust me, you don't want to see them cranky. Today's episode of The Other Stories is Warning, Door Does Not Stick Written and narrated by Georgia Cook The words were written on a bright yellow post-it note Stuck to the door at eye height Alison inspected it as the movers brushed past Carrying boxes full of clothes and kitchenware Warning, said the note In bold capitals door does not stick. Alison turned it over. There was nothing else written on the back. No instructions, no local guidebook, no rules on pets or not setting off the fire alarms. Simply, welcome to your new home. The door does not stick. Reassuring, if not entirely helpful. It was only as the movers left late that afternoon, leaving Alison's meagre array of possessions piled in the hallway, that Alison remembered the note again. It was still stuck to the door, despite two hours of being swung back and forth, 
its blocky warning just about visible in the growing darkness. After a moment's thought, Alison plucked it from the door, folded it into her pocket, and stepped back inside. The deadlock gave a satisfying click as it turned. No matter how strange the note, Alison thought, they hadn't been lying. The front door didn't stick. Later that night, struggling with two overstuffed bin bags from the kitchen boxes, Alison stumbled down the staircase in the dark, elbowed back the deadlock, and shouldered open the door, and was met with blinding sunlight. Sand swirled around her ankles. A desert breeze, thick with humidity, tugged at her dressing gown. A vast desert landscape rolled out ahead of her, rising in the distance to dunes as high as skyscrapers. The sky was a ceaseless blue. Alison stood frozen in the doorway, breathing in the desert air, feeling the red raw dryness at the back of her throat. Then she dropped the bin bags in the sand and slammed the door shut. The hallway lay dark and silent behind her, still littered with the boxes Alison had yet to sort, but the golden sunlight spilling between the cracks in the door were enough to stop her from trying the handle again. Instead, she turned and fled back upstairs, running from window to window in her empty new flat. The street below bustled with cars and early evening commuters, slick with 8pm drizzle and a suggestion of thunderclouds. No desert landscape, not a lick of warmth, and no sign of Alison's bin bags. Next morning, armed with a hockey stick and a hastily scavenged bottle of sunscreen, Alison finally worked up the nerve to try the door again. In the cheerful light of day, it was easier to convince herself the whole thing had been a dream, the consequences of a stressful move, and the thought of visiting her mother later that afternoon. Even so, she descended the stairs with trepidation, her eyes darting for those telltale slats of golden light, the swell of heat in the drab grey corridor. Slowly, slowly, she inched open the door, and found the street outside her flat, ordinary and grey, scattered with puddles, exactly as it should be. Except for the golden sand wedged between the bristles of the welcome mat, the sunburn still brushing the tip of Alison's nose. And her bin bags. Still missing. That was how it started. The next instance came two days later. Alison had taken to gently nudging the door open with an umbrella whenever she went out, feeling faintly ridiculous, slowly convincing herself, as the sunburn and the shock faded, that it really had been some strange dream. A stress-induced hallucination... She definitely needed more sleep. This time, she hurried downstairs with a wad of plastic bags, intent on seeking out the nearest corner shop for a pint of milk, and for the first time all week, unlatched the door without thinking, and stepped out onto a deep, dark forest. Angular black firs rose overhead, ringed in the distance with high, jagged mountains and a crown of rumbling storm clouds. A scattering of autumn leaves swept in over the welcome mat, joining the lingering remnants of desert sand. And as Alison breathed in the cool, crisp air, felt the sharp stab of frost against her skin, she finally had to concede that no dream had ever felt so real. The door changed locations frequently after that. Alison took to keeping track of them on an old birthday calendar she'd stuck to the fridge. On rainy days, she observed, the door led to the desert. On Thursday afternoons, from 3pm to 5pm, it opened onto a great black abyss. 
Alison quickly learned to be out of the house during those two hours, glad that this was the time she visited her mother. On the third Monday of every month, the door opened onto a floor of an abandoned roller rink. The air here was cold and damp, strung through with the unmistakable smell of neglect, the floor scuffed and scratched. A shattered disco ball glimmered overhead, missing most of its tiles, catching the light from Alison's hallway to illuminate the hulking furniture silhouettes heaped in far corners. The signs on the board to the back of the hall were written in Russian. Sometimes Alison thought she saw movement, flickering in the deeper corners. Sometimes she thought she heard the faintest strands of music. She didn't dare step inside. One memorable Friday night, stumbling bleary-eyed to retrieve a takeaway pizza, Alison opened the door to an exact replica of her own apartment. The shadows here were strange, dancing across the wall in shades of mottled green, as if the entire flat was submerged underwater. But there was Alison's carpet, there was her welcome mat, there were her coat hooks, complete with battered anorak, exactly the same as behind her. Alison took a wary step onto the new carpet, watching her emerald shadow stretch out ahead of her, until a round of footsteps scuttled overhead, and she hurried back to her own apartment. Sometimes she considered calling the landlord, but in all other ways the flat was perfect. The bill was cheap, the rent reasonable, possibly a little too reasonable, now she thought about it, and walking distance from the hospice. Plus, Alison worked from home, and an antisocial social life meant she rarely left her apartment anyway these days. And she wasn't frightened of the door. Not really frightened. Although the places it revealed were often strange, they were also always empty. Alison found this oddly comforting, as if all the abandoned places in the world had been gathered up just for her. Tiny new realities of calm and quiet detached from the grim solitude of her daily life. As the days wore on, those strange dark landscapes became more familiar to Alison than the street outside. Comforting, cold, and oh so quiet. Some people had mice, Alison reasoned. Others had mould. She had a front door. Sometimes she wondered who had left the original note. Sometimes she wondered where they'd gone. At last, Alison plucked up the courage to tell her mother about the door. Alison's mother spent most of her days asleep, her thin chest rising and falling almost imperceptibly beneath thin hospital blankets, surrounded by crisp cream walls and beeping machines. There was nothing to be done, said the nurses. It was just a matter of waiting waiting and being there and talking helped mitigate the grief so Alison leaned close to the bed and whispered everything she knew about her front door or the strange empty places it had shown her she told her mother about the desert about the forest about the abandoned roller rink she told her about the moonlit beach she discovered on Monday morning and the narrow cobbled street the door favoured on Friday lunchtimes her mother barely stirred it was a relief just to talk. Alison came away feeling a peace she hadn't experienced in months, as if a new kind of door had been thrown open somewhere, one her mother could now walk through, or at the very least knew where to find. As she left the building, Alison turned to inspect the high metal door of her mother's hospice. 
shining and modern, with its long, narrow safety bar. She saw doors everywhere now. Seven a.m. on Alison's final day in the flat, the door opened unexpectedly onto a bustling street of squat red council houses, a world several decades away from her wide London pavements. A lump formed in Alison's throat, joining the tight fist of grief. For the first time, the door had taken her somewhere she recognised. She remembered this street. She remembered this doorstep. She remembered the smell of asphalt, the clack-clack of the old iron gates, the rumble of traffic far off in the distance. If she turned now, she knew. She would find a door embossed with familiar brass ten, worn away by sun and tiny hands. She would touch the worn red wood, press the little white doorbell, and hear the trilling chime far off inside the house. She might hear footsteps, thumping from the living room down the hall, see a silhouette caught behind the lace curtains, her mother, a lifetime ago, her eyes bright with recognition and love. The door might open. Without turning, Alison stepped sharply backwards into the hall and closed the door firmly in front of her. The lock clicked. The sunny red street vanished, taking her childhood with it. When the call came a few hours later, Alison was already waiting for it. She sat on her battered sofa, cradling the phone to her ear, and nodded numbly as the woman on the other end expressed her soft condolences promising that Alison's mother had gone peacefully, that there had been no pain at the end. Alison didn't ask what time her mother had passed away. She already knew. She knew what the door had let her glimpse, the fleeting whispers of childhood memory. That was the day Alison learned that the door could be both cruel and kind. That was the day she decided to leave. Alison took her suitcase down from the wardrobe, she threw in underwear and sweaters, flip-flops and scarves, something suitable for every climate. Then she took a post-it note from the kitchen drawer, fished a pen from her purse, and wrote, Warning, door does not stick on it, in large block capitals. Then she stood at the top of the stairs, suitcase in hand, and paused. She knew what she wanted to say. She knew what she wanted to ask. Please... Let me say goodbye. Please. Show me a world where I can still... But instinctively, Alison knew that the door didn't work like that. It opened where it liked, and she could no more direct it than direct her own grief. She would go where it took her. Alison steeled herself, then she descended the stairs and threw open the front door. A familiar drizzle spattered her face. The air smelt of moss and pine. A long woodland path trailed out past Alison's feet, leading from the door into a deep, dark forest. The sky overhead rumbled with thunder. Off in the distance, the dark silhouettes of mountains rose to meet the clouds. Alison breathed deeply, tasting the familiar tinge of ice in the air, the smell of loam and old leaves, the indistinct whispers between the trees. If she stepped forward now, she knew, there would be no turning back. She would have to keep walking. Alison considered the definition of lost, how close it sounded to loss. Was that why the door had chosen her? Perhaps this was what it did, found the lonely and isolated, 
and swallowed them whole. After all, Alison had no friends, no ties, no reason to stay. Perhaps she didn't care. God, she didn't care. Alison stuck the new post-it note to the door at eye height, a yellow bolt in a world of rustling green. Then she slipped on her coat, opened her umbrella, and stepped out into the rain. When the door clicked shut behind her, it didn't stick. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Warning, Door Does Not Stick was written and narrated by Georgia Cook, edited by Carl Hughes with music by Daniel Birch and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. Georgia Cook is an illustrator and writer from London. She is the winner of the LISP 2020 Flash Fiction Prize and has been shortlisted for the Bridport Prize, Staunch Book Prize and Reflex Fiction Award, among others. She can be found on Twitter at Georgia Cooked and on her website at georgiacookwriter.com. Once again, today's episode has been sponsored by the Night's End podcast. Night's End is a short story podcast with a focus on dark fiction and will leave you screaming for the night's end before each story is through. So go check that out on your favourite podcast app today. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help support the show over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You can join our book club, movie club and writing exercises over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hawk and cleaver. Check out our merch, including books, posters, comic books and tote bags over at gumroad.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. And you can get help with your short stories and your podcasts by heading to theotherstories.net forward slash services. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. That means don't change it, don't sell it, but by all means share the hell out of it. Until next time.